Amen. Well, good morning, church family. It's good to see you. I'm glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles, take your copy and turn with me, please, to Luke 24. If you don't have your Bibles with you, that's okay. It'll be, scripture will be on the screen behind me here. Luke 24 will be the last time you hear me say turn to Luke for a while. We started a series at the first Sunday in December of 2020 through the Gospel of Luke. And here we are five months later wrapping up this series. Uh, and God willing, next week we'll be starting a four-part series through the Old Testament book of Ruth, which I'm super excited about. Uh, it's not a long book to read. I encourage you, if you have a moment this week, to take a listen. If you have it on your phone, you might want to listen to it, or you can read it. Read four chapters through the book of Ruth and ask the Spirit to speak to you. While you're turning to Luke 24, I do want to make one uh, very important announcement of something coming up just to make sure it's on your radar. A week from today... May 2nd, believe it or not, next week will be May. And at 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., right out here to my right, outside, we are going to have our spring family gathering, which I'm super duper excited about. You say, what do we do with our family gathering? Well, we do what Baptists do, and that's we eat. That's it. <laughs> we eat and talk and laugh and we do a lot of fun stuff. Uh, but no, seriously, the main agenda next, uh, next Sunday night is just to enjoy being with each other and eating. We are going to have a time of baby dedication and we're going to be sending off three of our graduates who are graduating from high school. So kind of a beginning and an ending time there. So uh, that will be a part of our evening. But the main part is us just gathering together and enjoy being together. We got food trucks coming from Hogwood Barbecue. Teeners Wieners will be here. It's just so fun to say. And uh, there's this, there's this ice cream, Oscar's ice cream, something, something, something. That's um, really good, I hear. But anyway, Teeners Wieners will be here, and that's the main thing you need to be concerned about. Luke 24, pick it up with me in verse, in verse 28 of Luke 24. As we wrap up this series and finally, believe it or not, these guys are still the first Easter Sunday. We're three weeks post-Easter, but we're still looking at this story. It's still Easter Sunday approaching night and Jesus has not revealed himself yet to these men that he's been walking with on the Emmaus Road. Let's read about it together. Stand with me in honor of God's word. Verse 28, Luke 24, I'll read down through verse 35. <clears throat> They, that's the two guys on the Emmaus Road and Jesus, who they didn't know it was Jesus yet. They came near the village where they were going and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and those with them gathered together who said, the Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. And they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them and the breaking of the bread. Oh, Jesus, make yourself known to us again today. We 
depend on you. We are dependent now, even, even as I speak, on your grace to manifest your presence with us. Father, as we continue to look at the effects of Easter, I pray that we have seen over and over again these past few weeks that you coming out of the tomb means that you are not limited to one space. You can be here. And I'd ask that you would be in a unique way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I do hope you have your Lord's Supper elements handy uh, because I'm going to get to that in just a few moments. You ever been around someone who makes things more difficult than they need to be? (laughs) Just that kind of person that doesn't have to be as hard as it is, but they tend to make it difficult. Maybe it was a coach you had in high school and the coach just made you do some extraordinarily difficult things. It did not have to be that hard. Or maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a teacher that had a wonderful gift of making very simple concepts complex instead of making complex concepts simple. Or maybe you're like me. I don't have one carpentry bone in my body. My definition of Mr. Fix-It is call someone. I can't. I just, I've tried. I can't do it. I can't put anything together. It's horrible. Which is why it's so bizarre that when I get something in the mail that requires assembly, I still don't want to use the instructions. I don't know why. Because I always have to go back and use the instructions after I have to take it apart again because I can't figure it out. I make things more difficult than they have to be, especially when it comes to fixing something or assembling something. It's just kind of how I do things. Has it ever bothered you that Jesus disappears? Wouldn't it be easier if he was here physically? Why are you having to make things so hard, Jesus? Have you ever just said, if you would just appear and be here physically and let me see you do something, let me hear you audibly, then it'd be so much easier to do this thing called the Christian life. If you could just physically walk along with me, then then it wouldn't be so difficult. Jesus, why are you making it so hard? It bothers me a little bit that Jesus disappears. You know what bothers me a little bit more? That he disappears and these guys don't get mad about it. I'm wanting to read that they're having a fit in a wad, getting mad, looking for him under the table or something. Where'd he go? I wonder which is worse, having never seen him physically with your eyes or seeing him for a split second and then he's gone. I mean, I'm like, Jesus, he was just getting good. They'd been with you all day, they didn't know, and then all of a sudden you reveal yourself to him and poof. That makes me a bit angry if I'm honest. Come on, Jesus, stick around for just a little bit longer. Why did Jesus disappear and why did they not get mad about it? If I'm understanding the text right, I think there's two reasons. I'm gonna give you one, we're gonna have the supper together and then I'm gonna give you the second. 
Two reasons. Why did Jesus disappear and why were they not upset about it? Reason number one, they now knew how to find him. Why were they not mad that he disappeared? They now knew how to find him. You say, preacher, uh, preacher, what do you mean? Well, on the one hand, what had he just been doing? If you were here last week, you saw it. Verse 27, he had spent a long time walking in through the Old Testament scriptures saying, this is about the Messiah. 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 They had the Old Testament scriptures. They were now able to go read the Old Testament scriptures and find Jesus in the scriptures. And guess what? Because he's not in the tomb, he can now be with them to help them understand the scriptures. Say, I don't have Jesus with me physically. Well, guess what? He can be with you when you open the scriptures and help you understand more about who he is. I don't think they were mad about it because now they knew how to find him. But there's another. Not only could they find him in the scriptures, where were they when Jesus revealed himself? They were with one another at the table. Now I want you to think about that. Jesus chooses to make himself known when we are with each other. Do yourself a favor and read the gospels and watch how many times Jesus shares a meal with people. There is something holy, and you don't even have to mention his name. There is something holy that happens when his people get together. It's why you're here right now and not watching at home with your PJs. And I'm talking to you people at home. (laughs) I'm kidding. Some of you have legit reasons, but those of you who don't, But I'm serious, there's something holy that happens when we get together and look each other in the eye and recognize that the image of God dwells in that person and the spirit of Christ dwells in that person. Jesus makes himself known. And isn't it interesting that he chose to reveal himself when he broke the bread? And he blessed it. How many times had his followers seen him or heard him bless and then break? Bless and then break. Bless and then break. What's the one thing the disciples asked Jesus to teach them what to do? Pray. They're a lot holier than I am. I would have said, would you teach me how to do that? Wow, that crazy thing. But they had heard him talk to the Father and they didn't have categories for that. Because they'd heard him do it over and over and over again. Church at West Franklin, have you read the book of Acts before? Do you realize that the believers wanted to get together every day? Why? Because when they met together, Jesus was there. Something holy happens. You you can't know that you're a true follower of Jesus unless you're with somebody else. Does Jesus speak to us when we're alone? Of course he does. But there is something rich about being with another person where the manifest presence of Jesus comes. You learn more about yourself. You learn more about that person. You learn more about what Jesus is doing in your life and your need for Jesus in your life when you're with another person that you can't get by yourself. 
It's a wonder, uh, it's, 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 it's the reason Paul says over and over through his epistles, I think over 60 commands to love one another or um, be with one another or encourage one another. You can't obey the scriptures unless you are with one another. Church of West Franklin, something holy happens when we are together. And Jesus says, here's what I want you to do when you get together. I want you to remember me by this. So go ahead and take your elements if you would. I don't know when we'll be able to pass it again and get back to the delicious bread that we once had. Who thought we'd ever say that? But there's two layers to this. One is the clear wrapping. We'll start with the bread and the other is the Saran wrap looking thing that covers the, that has the juice. But take the bread for just a moment. Think about this. Now we are evangelical Protestants, Southern Baptists, which means we don't believe that this actually becomes the body of Jesus when we eat it. We don't believe this juice is the act, becomes the actual blood of Jesus when we drink it. It's much deeper than that. I believe Jesus' spirit and presence meets us here. This is a symbol of his reality. And somebody in this room needs to be reminded that when he came out of the tomb, a new reality happened for you. You are now free to be with him and him with you. And the night before he was arrested, he was with his boys and he said, here's some bread. This is symbolic of my body, which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then after the bread, he took a cup. I wish we could sit in a circle right now around a table. We could look at each other and say, you're forgiven. Your sins aren't counted against you anymore. And we could look at each other and say, I forgive you. But he took the cup. And he said, this is, this is how you're going to never forget me. I'm not going to drink it again until, I, until the kingdom of heaven is accomplished. He says that earlier in Luke. But he says, this cup is a symbol of my blood. It's a new covenant that I'm accomplishing for you. Drink this in remembrance of me.
Jesus, you chose to make yourself known when you broke the bread. They had heard you pray. They had seen you bless. And and they recognized you. Jesus, this is who we are. We are... We are people that you are with. We are people that are with you because you gave your body and shed your blood. We depend on you. We depend on that. Teach us how to live in that reality. Yes, you disappeared. But they weren't angry because they they knew how to find you and they were anticipating of what you were going to do next. Father, would you continue to give the church at West Franklin a zealous desire to be with each other? Knowing that when we are together, you show up too. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So one reason they didn't get angry when he disappeared was because they now knew how to find him. There was a second reason they didn't get angry, and that is they understood now that he still had work to do, okay? They understood now that Jesus still had work to do. Put your eyes with me on, uh, if you would, to verse 30. Verse 30 of Luke 24, there's some context clues we need to understand here. They came to the village, they got there, they begged him to stay again, still didn't know it was Jesus, they begged him to stay, he said, okay, I'll stay. Verse 30, it was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Now, I want you to think about a couple of things with me here. He was the guest. And yet he's taken charge. When you invite someone into your home, usually you're the host. You sit at the head of the table. You go and make sure the person gets the food or or what have you. Not here. (laughs) Jesus came and he took over. He took the bread. He blessed it. He handed it out. He's in charge. Really tempted to, to, to preach a sermon here that when we let Jesus do things, the pressure's off. It was as if he was saying, I got it, boys. When we remember Jesus is in charge, the pressure's off, but I'm not going to preach that sermon. Kind of just did. But there's something else here I want you to notice. I don't know about you, but when I eat bread, I like to wash it down with something. Water, sweet tea, Dr. Pepper, diet. There's no wine. There's no mention of any wine, which is odd. Usually when Jews get get together to eat, there's several different um, stages of the meal. Four different cups are usually had. There's no cup here. And before Jesus could wash down the bread, he's gone. Why? Because he had said, I will not drink it again until the kingdom is fulfilled. That's important. There's work to be done. 
It's not finished. I'm going to drink wine, the cup again, but it's going to be in the kingdom of God. Salvation has been accomplished. He came out of the tomb, but people got to know it. There's still something to be done. Why didn't they get mad? What's the first thing they did after Jesus left? I would have been, oh, I would have been so mad. What? They didn't whine. They didn't argue. They didn't debate. They certainly weren't Baptists. They didn't go look for him around the house. What did they do? They waited till the next morning and went back to Jerusalem. Is that what the text says? That very hour. They had already had a really long day. Started out hopeless, started out slow of heart. Now they had a burning heart. They didn't know who this guy was. Jesus reveals himself and he's gone and it's late at night. And Middle East times, especially first century, you don't travel at night. You wait till the next morning, but not these boys. They took off as fast as they could to travel the seven miles back to Jerusalem. And what did they do? They found the other 11 and said, he is alive. We saw him. He appeared. <laughs> this is what happened. He made himself known. Jesus is alive. They, they spent time with the resurrected Jesus, and they had to make it known. They spent time with the resurrected Jesus, and they had to make it known. Shall I say it a third time? They spent time with the resurrected Jesus, and they had to make it known. Church at West Franklin, when you spend time with the resurrected Jesus, you will speak of him. They did not go through training. They did not go through a seminar. They did not read a book. They did not download an app. They spent time with Jesus and couldn't help but make him known. There's nothing wrong with training. There's nothing wrong with getting more tools in your toolbox. But you can have all the training in the world. But if you don't spend time with Jesus, it doesn't matter. Why are you and I not talking about Jesus? Because we're not being changed by the resurrected Christ. Fox News is discipling us, not Jesus. Instagram is discipling us, not Jesus. Netflix is discipling us, not Jesus. Give me more tools. You don't need more tools, you need Jesus. They didn't go through one ounce of training and they went overnight to tell somebody because they had been with the resurrected Jesus. When was the last time the resurrected Jesus spoke to you, changed you? He's alive. If he hadn't, it ain't his fault. Right now I have three weddings on the books in my small sphere of influence. I get to do that from time to time. I love to do weddings because I get to stand right there in the middle of the action. You know what I've noticed about girls that get engaged? They get that ring on their finger and their hands just start doing something. 
And girls, they, they, they get engaged, and it's just amazing. The, their social media feeds blow up, and you just see this. Or, or they get texts, and pictures are sent, and all you see is this. They can't help it. They don't read a book first as to how to show off their ring. They don't go through it. It just happens. Grandparents. <laughs> Grandparents. Dog electronic devices until their kid has a kid. And then all of a sudden, they know how to get and take and share pictures of their precious grandchildren. And your grandchild ain't that precious, but we have to lie and say it is. But it's amazing. Something happens and you're like, look, 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 look. I need training on how to share the gospel. Are you kidding? Not long after I moved here, someone gave me a gift card to Stony River. And I sit down across the table from my lovely wife and they put a menu in front of me and it didn't take long for me to know what I wanted. I had a gift card. And at the top of the menu, it said coffee cured filet, eight or 10 ounce. I wanted the 10. I ordered it forthwith. And they brought the coffee cured filet and I got ungodly and unholy on that filet and ate it in an ugly fashion. And I consumed it, and now I have become one of the coffee, the biggest evangelist for the coffee cured filet for Stony River because it changed my life. It's so good. No one had to say, Madden, here's how you talk about this. Now, again, there's time and places for training. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, but I fear we use that as an excuse for not really being with Jesus. If Jesus is really changing you, you'll talk about it. If Jesus is really changing you, you'll talk about it. Senior pastor Mike Glenn told us campus pastors this week, he said, you know, Middle Tennessee, Nashville could be the worst place for name dropping. He says, you got, he's got people all the time that'll say to him, yeah, I know Garth or I know Carrie Underwood or, and he says, now I'll press them. And, and, and maybe you should try this too. I've, I've, I've started thinking I'll do this. If someone says, yeah, I know Garth Brooks, just say, how do you know Garth? And you know what they're going to say? I was at a red light one time and saw his bus. <laughs> or I was at a restaurant one time and he was way back in the back with a bunch of people and I just saw him way back there. I know Garth. Or how do you know Carrie Underwood? Well, I saw her one time. She was out of blah, 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 blah. You press them and you realize, I don't know him at all. Here's what I fear. I said, do you know Jesus? Yeah, 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 of course. Tell me about it. 
What's he saying to you? Tell me about your relationship with Jesus. How is he changing you? When was the last time you had a conversation? You do know, don't you, there's really only one question on the final exam. Jesus is going to say, have we met? Do I know you? Do you know Jesus? As you can see, Brad and Kendall are coming up. We're going to go out and sing this song again that Brad led us in a moment ago. And I want you to respond to what Jesus is calling you to do. Here's the last thing I want. The last thing I want is for you to walk out of here with your shoulders sagging, condemned, or guilty, guilt, filled with guilt. Because that's not the point. I hope you caught it. That before these boys knew that it was Jesus, they urged him to stay. I don't do that with everybody. Being with Jesus brings, makes you whole. Being with Jesus makes you more human, more who you are. Being with Jesus allows you to be known and loved. It's to set you free. So I don't know what the Spirit's calling you to do. Maybe you've never met him. Today's the day. Maybe you've allowed all these other things that have their place, but they're the ones really discipling in your mind. And truth be known, Jesus is just. And maybe you just need to say, Jesus, I, I want you to change me. So, however, the Spirit is leading you, would you respond? He's out of the tomb and He's walking among us. Listen to him. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you said and did with these guys. Thank you that you, you, you had to disappear so you could ascend into heaven and send down your spirit. You've given us work to do, to be with you by your spirit and to be emboldened by the power of your spirit to make you known. You're gonna drink again of the cup when it's fulfilled. Use us as a means to bringing that about. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
last four-letter, four-word phrase here. These four words will change the way we look at our relationship with God. Let's stick it together.